0: Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. Today, I am excited to bring you yet another fantastic lesson from the Commune Library. You'll be hearing from physician and thought leader, Zach Bush. Zach is a physician specializing in internal medicine, endocrinology, and hospice care. And he is an internationally recognized thought leader and educator on the microbiome. His commune course titled The Superpowers of Your Gut features 10 episodes plus a bonus masterclass about the symphony of systems in your body and how the conductor of that symphony is actually your microbiome. Now, you may have heard of the gut-brain axis. Well, in this episode, Zach unpacks the less celebrated gut-skin axis. Your skin is not just an epithelial covering to a body of meat. It's an essential part of the immune system and it's covered in health conferring microbes. So in this lesson, Zach addresses what you should or should not put on your skin as well as how the skin serves as a second gut. As you may know, in addition to being a podcast, Commune is also a video course platform featuring a wide range of programs from top teachers on personal growth, yoga, meditation, spirituality, functional medicine, nutrition, and social impact, essentially everything that you need to be holistically well. So to begin watching this course about the superpowers of your gut for free, go to onecommune.com slash Zach Bush, that's Z-A-C-H. B U S H. And please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcatcher. Okay. Without further delay, I present to you Dr. Zach Bush.
1: We are near the end of the gut course for you. And I'm really excited that you guys have been through the material that we've presented to you, because I believe that as you start to make this your own, as you start to really apply these learnings to yourself, you're going to find a new sense of reality, a new sense of self within the context of this natural world that has designed you to be the penultimate expression of light energetic beings on this planet. It is such a joy to be in the presence of those that have started to create a lifestyle that reintegrates them into their nature, in the day-to-day of breathing their biome, eating nutrient-dense and nutrient varieties from gardens that they've grown, or gardens and farms that they're intimately involved with. These people have a, a, a spark in the eye, a flare to their step, a joy and a curiosity that is not seen in the general public today. And so as we dive into our last topic of the gut and skin access, I want us to come back to this understanding that what you're seeing in somebody who's that vibrant person enjoying a lifestyle that's invigorating them, is the literal emergence of light in their life. I can't say it enough and with enough awe that the food that you consume is the result of a alchemy between the sun, the moon, the stars, and the soil systems and their microbes below your feet. There's alchemy between that light energy of the sky, solar systems, galaxies and beyond, and its interface with the creative capacity of the microbiome, the fungi, the mycelium, ultimately the mycorrhizae and the root systems of plants and those trunks that would deliver their foliage into the sunlight. The extraordinary populations of chlorophyll, that populate those green leaves that will then take that sun energy and turn them into carbon batteries in the form of carbohydrates, fatty acids and the like. It is an extraordinarily beautiful journey from sunshine to tomato, from sunshine to pepper, from sun and moonlight into cilantro, garlic, ginger, onions. It is a fragrant experience to be in the alchemy of these elements around us. And for all of that storage of opportunity and potential that we see within that vast array of food, herbs and the like, it is a workforce within us, the gardeners within us, the bacteria and fungi within our our entire gut system that deliver that then into our bloodstream filtered and packaged by the liver and then delivered out into the entire matrix of 70 trillion human cells that are imbued with the life and the creativity of 14 quadrillion mitochondria, a whole nother workforce of bacteria that look extremely similar to the chlorophyll in the plant that captured that sunlight in the first place. And now those mitochondria go about breaking down the long chains of glucose fatty acids, and the like to release the sun energy back into you. So what creates beauty when you look at a person, when you look at the skin of a human being, is not just a barrier or an epithelial covering to a human body of meat. You're looking at the interface with light. I know you have seen this at every age. You have certainly seen that elder, at 95, walk into a room that's just got the sparkling eyes and the big, radiant smile. And if, she, if she's anything like my great grandmother, who passed away at 101, 102 years old, she's telling dirty jokes all day long just to see if people will laugh. It's that joy to vive, it's that exudation of light in everything they do, whether it be the laughter in the jokes, to the sparkle in the eye, to the warm touch of the hand on the face of a grandchild. At all ages, we can exude light energy as we start to find lifestyles that combine nature into the alchemy of human creation, human creative potential, ingenuity, curiosity. We are beings of the divine, and it glows through our skin. And so I want you to think about the gut-skin access as your pathway to show those around you the beauty of the divine. Over these recent decades, I'm sure you've heard something about the gut-brain axis, but it's likely that you've never heard of the gut-skin axis. And it follows a lot of the same biology between those multiple systems. The gut we've talked about in length of being this giant ecosystem that thrives within the coral reef architecture of the, the stomach and the small intestine, and ultimately this glorious diversity and density of biodiversity within the colon and those coral reef-like environments allow for this microbiology to develop not only in its biodiversity, but in its niche biofunctions. Every millimeter of that gut provides a new environment for bacteria to find their optimal expression and their highest function in which to contribute to this life form that we would call human. Every millimeter, you find a different ratio of carbon to carbon dioxide oxygen to nitric oxide, sodium to potassium, silica to your manganese. And so for all these differences in the nutrients that you find there, the air and the lack of air that you might find there, the architecture of its its local community, the diversity around each of those bacteria allows for a different expression. And so it's really the understanding of the sovereignty of each being within this gut system, finding their optimal expression, their optimal environment to find Thrive State. I hope that you find in your ability of life to be as nuanced in your sensing of what is your microenvironment of your life that would be optimal for you to express yourself. And nowhere else in the body do is that probably more obvious and more visible than the skin. If you put the skin under a microscope, you find out that there's the same opportunity for extreme biodiversity of niche environments, microenvironments within that skin architecture as you would find similar to that of the upper gut, the small intestine and the like. So the skin is really our second gut in the sense that. This is the second largest absorptive membrane that the body has. The gut does the workforce on the nutrients and all that, but the skin is actually where we will absorb a lot of the electrolytes and a lot of the toxins that are common to our everyday lives. Electrolytes through the skin are are absorbed largely by the, the reconsumption of our sweat. So, as we exude sweat, we can take back in many of those nutrients through the skin barrier and through this absorptive membrane. The toxins are largely introduced by the cosmetic industry. So, the average Western consumer, I think, is now well over 100 toxins in their daily experience applied to their skin, all of which can end up in the bloodstream. These are endocrine disruptors, they screw up protein folding. They can be carcinogens. It's just an extraordinary array of toxins that have been permitted into this cosmetic industry with the perception and belief that, well, the skin's a barrier, you just put it on top, it's not, it's not going to your brain. Ignoring the fact that the whole keratinocyte underpinnings of that surface dermis have the same characteristics as your bowel does. It's a single cell layer thick, tied together with tight junctions, designed as a barrier and an absorptive membrane, just as your gut would. And so we need to start to respect the skin as this second exposure to our environment and carefully choose what we put on that skin. And maybe you're not thinking about lotions and other moisturizers as part of the cosmetics, but it's critical that you do because the emulsifiers, preservatives, and strange chemicals that will come in the form of lotions and other moisturizers are pretty extraordinary. Every bottle of anything you're putting on your skin, you need to flip the label around and look at that ingredients panel and make sure you can recognize as much as possible of that list. If it's got a long list that takes up half the labels, none of which you understand or can pronounce because they're all chemical names, those are the preservatives, emulsifiers, colorings, and all the stuff that you do not want in your bloodstream. So, find ingredient lists that are as short as possible, whether it be a moisturizer, a chapstick, or your, your makeup, let's keep it as clean as possible with as few insults as possible. But before you even put that on, let's think about your skin as an absorptive membrane. As I've been teaching you with the gut, the biodiversity of the flora on that, the biodiversity of the, the microbiome, bacteria, fungi, protozoa, yeast, et cetera, is going to dictate the amount of communication available to that gut that would then empower it to be in this resilient, regenerative state such that it heals faster than it injures. And so a diverse microbiome is your foundation of a resilient, regenerative barrier to the outside world at the skin level. So how do you achieve good microbiome diversity on the skin? I think the first and perhaps most amazing thing is stop using soap. Soap as an advent long time back was utilized primarily to remove oils from the skin. And so now, today, we do it as a general approach to cleansing ourselves at all avenues, forgetting that soap is designed to disrupt the walls of bacteria and sterilize, therefore, the effect of the microbiome's capacity for that, that diverse population development every time you wash with that soap. So what are we going to use instead of soap? You're going through your brain right now, considering how many times you expose your body to this. And it's not obviously just your hands, but also just the overuse of shampoos, conditioners and this kind of stuff on the scalp. And so ultimately you're losing microbiome. And as you lose the microbiome, you're going to start to lose the regenerative capacity of those tight junctions and the barrier systems. And the result is dehydration. So you start to exude more water out into the atmosphere through your skin than you would with a coherent tight junction system. So dehydration is fundamental to overuse of soap, shampoos and all that. With that loss of the microbiome, with the loss of hydration, you accelerate aging. 50% of the signs of aging are due to intracellular dehydration. And so it's critical that we start to think outside the box of soap and other cleansers and antimicrobials that we would use on the skin to start to think about fostering diverse, healthy ecosystems on the skin that would preclude the need for these these intense cleansers to, to occur. Body odor is a sign of dysbiosis or imbalanced ecosystems. And so by changing the diet and the nutrition, improving gut health and diversifying the bioflora therein, we actually do change skin flora as well. And so nutritional changes can fundamentally change body odor. One of the most important things to eliminate from the diet when it comes to body odor is high-density protein. I have the unique opportunity as a physician and scientist and speaker to be called into action as a microbiome expert to almost every one of the the fad diet seminars around the country. I've spoken at vegan seminars. I've spoken at paleo seminars and keto seminars and South Beach seminars and Everybody's got their niche thing and they all see me as pretty benign cuz I'm just going to talk about the microbiome. So I've gotten invited across all of these. And I can tell you that the breath and the smell of sweat in the place uh, where in which you're going to have high meat consumption, the the paleo and also over on the farming side, the regen ags, you know, beef guys, those two sectors are going to have a very distinct smell that is Detectable as soon as I walk into that hall, don't even approach a human. I can smell it in 300 people it's an acidic and somewhat bitter smell that comes with the putrefication of elements of protein as we consume too much dense proteins in the diet and not enough fiber and complex carbohydrates to balance that out. And so if you have body odor, look to dense proteins to be eliminated from the diet. You can get too much dense protein in in just eating a plant-based diet as well. So things to look out for there would be overconsumption of nuts would be a common one, but also overconsumption of cruciferous vegetables. You are trying to get in a kale smoothie and then a kale salad at lunch and then, you know, big Brussels sprout, you know, shaved, roasted thing at night. Those cruciferous vegetables throughout the day, especially combined with with the nuts, are also going to be that protein overload and so back off on the dense proteins to improve body odor and reduce your your sense of need for constantly soaping the body to remove odor. With less soap, we find the ability for the body to start to rebuild that nutrient delivery system of the microbiome and that protective hydration barrier of the tight junctions that can become present as the microbiome recovers its ability for communication and cell-cell stimulation of regeneration. So less soaps and more water Water is a very fantastic solvent in and of itself. Water can remove nearly everything that you would want to take off of skin with the exception of the oil-based compounds. And so in those spaces of the oil-based compounds, moving towards neutral pH cleansers, a good example is again Dr. Bronner's, but you can also find other soap alternatives on the market now. Uh, There's a number of charcoal products, but there's also products that are starting to bring forth glacial clay and things like that that can be beneficial kind of detox and cleansers without having that antimicrobial effect of the soap, but way out stripping the the potential damage of soap is definitely the alcohol cleansers. And over the last few years, we've seen an explosion in the use of alcohol-based hand sanitizers. And those compounds are extremely injurious to the tight junctions of the skin, just as alcohol is to the gut when consumed. And so eliminate alcohol exposure on the skin is a must and other hidden things that i can that i find damaging that skin would include compounds that have high amounts of vitamin c or compounds that will carry high amounts of hydrogen peroxide and so hydrogen peroxide needs to be watered down severely before put on skin or wounds or the like you're looking at kind of one part hydrogen peroxide to 20 parts water Anything more than that, you're really doing damage to the skin, the microbiome and the tight junctions deep to that. Similarly, vitamin C is a carrier of hydrogen peroxide, which can do that same damage. So if you have a moisturizer or other compounds that you're putting on your skin that are bragging about their antioxidant quality, it's not unusual that there's vitamin C in those things. So I'd eliminate vitamin C from skin therapy, it's not helpful there and it can be sterilizing. And the other additive that we see commonly in skin products is the retinoids, these vitamin A compounds retinoids are extremely drying to the skin and do deep damage to that tight junction system. And so I would avoid the retinoids, I would avoid the vitamin C compounds, and in general go towards water and minerals as your base for cleansing. In addition to these things to avoid, we can start to work on rebuilding this ecosystem just as we have in the gut. And over the last few years, our basic science laboratory, as well as our formulation teams have been hard at work in designing a skin support system that would mimic the success that we've had in the ion products in the gut. And so this last year we've rolled out ion skin, in which we worked deeply with the keratinocytes. The keratinocyte is the cell that lays deep to your epidermis and produces all of the skin cells that will rise up through the, through the desiccant process to form your skin. Those keratinocytes have a different nutrient demand but rely ultimately on the same communication network that we would use in the gut formula. But we add a different compost type mix to the skin product than we would to the gut to foster support to not just the keratinocyte, but also the strep, staph, aerobic, bacterial environment of the skin, which is radically different than that of the microbiome of the gut, which is a lot more anaerobic in its expression. And so, so, uh, ion skin became, you know, a scientific breakthrough for us when we demonstrated that we could double the efficacy of the gut product in tight junctions and keratinocytes with this new formulation that we had at ion skin. And so an extremely effective way to increase the barrier function of skin, reducing the amount of toxins that would move into your bloodstream from there and reducing the amount of water leak across that membrane, leading to the dehydration of aging of the skin and beyond. And so ion skin has become a fascinating way for us to take a look at this second boundary, the second barrier and absorptive membrane as the skin and understand how the microbiome over its eons of development have learned to to demonstrate the capacity to increase your rate of repair versus your rate of injury. And so by supporting both the skin and the gut, we start to, to really reintroduce you to nature with a cohesive boundary event that helps your immune system understand who you are and what the insults are outside of you. A good boundary of tight junctions is going to improve your self-identity in a natural world or in an unnatural chemical space. And so I'm very excited to see what happens as you start to increase this capacity for knowingness of who you are as you support these systems of barrier and boundary as well as absorption of what is going to be the nature that you bring into you. Bathing. I want to come back to this go deeper than the soap story and start to think about what we're actually bathing in. The water that comes into most houses that are on municipal water systems is obviously chlorinated. The reason chlorine is added to that water is to eliminate bacterial and microbial presence in that water, to sterilize it, to reduce the risk of pathogens or other compounds that, that can collect in pipes and other unnatural systems that would deliver the water to you. In their effort to sterilize the water to give you a clean glass of, of water without you know, a green algae in it, they end up delivering to you a potent antibiotic, right? So it's in the water to kill the microbes and then you drink it, and you're going to end up killing the microbes within your gut with that same chlorine. And so chlorinated water is a real problem. Fortunately, the solution is actually quite simple. If you leave water out on the countertop for just a few minutes, the chlorine is so volatile that it will actually remove itself from the water. And so it's not a bad idea before the dinner party if, is to, you know, go through a process of filtration is ideal. The Berkey water filter probably be my favorite, but any carbon-based water filter is a good start. If you want to move to reverse osmosis and the like, then you're going to need add minerals back to the water. But suffice it to say, you've got some clean water there. If it's come from a municipal source, I would take the time to let it also sit out longer to make sure that all the chlorine has, has come out of that compound. The carbon filtration will remove the majority of that, but the simple act of leaving it available to the air we we'll make sure that we've really eliminated all that chlorine before consumption. Similar to trying to protect the gut from that, that water that's being consumed, we want to protect the skin. Chlorinated water coming out of your, your shower head is a much more challenging issue to eliminate. Very little of the chlorine is going to be removed from the water as it comes from the shower head to your skin. And So in this way, you may want to think about making sure that you apply that ion skin, or some sort of microbial support before or immediately after the shower as you get out. And so we want to make sure that the skin has got a resilient microbial communication network before hit with the insult of this antibiotic exposure of the chlorine. Unfortunately, it's not just chlorine that travels in our water systems today that function as an antibiotic. All municipal water systems essentially have detectable Roundup or glyphosate in them now the exposure to that antibiotic of the glyphosate is again injurious to the skin through the shower or the bath as it would be to the gut in its consumption. So filtering the whole house against glyphosate is a good idea. You can get whole house carbon filters. You can get whole house reverse osmosis systems as well, quite expensive, but they they do work well. Make sure you're reintroducing minerals to the water if it's an RO system. Distillation, I don't recommend distilled water by and large as far as your daily consumption. The only place distilled water can come into skin or gut health is going to be around actions of of real medicinal efforts to to kind of correct a a real severe imbalance. We do this, for example, during fasting and things like that. We can use distilled water in different ways. But in general, avoid distilled water and and stick to the, the carbon filtration or RO if you want to go to the extreme state there. The last environmental exposure of lifestyle that I want to let you know about when we talk about skin health is coming down to the use of anti-inflammatories through the skin. So there's a lot of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and stuff like that that are sold as skin balms and and things like this that can damage the tight junction system, the barrier system of that skin, just as it would the gut. So watch out for topical gels that brag to be anti-inflammatory. Make sure that there's not ibuprofen motrin type compounds in there and move more towards the natural compounds if you're trying to do pain relief that would be something like arnica as a good example and so we want to get away from the pharmaceuticalization of the skin because it's going to have the same damage that the pharmaceuticalization of the gut is going to have in regards to the skin's ability to maintain a water barrier and keep the keep the toxins out so be careful what you put on your skin you are what you put on that skin in the end It's amazing how fast everything transits from skin into bloodstream. And the danger there is that there is no liver in between it. The gut, that small intestine and colon that's doing all that absorption, of all your nutrients, water, and everything else has been designed to sit before the liver so that there's a detoxification before all of that milieu of absorbed materials goes and distributes to your body. But unfortunately, there is no liver sitting between your skin and the heart that venous supply of the skin will go straight back into the veins that will feed the heart without ever having to go through the liver first. And so the toxins you introduce to your skin are ultimately far more dangerous than the toxins introduced to the gut, in the sense there, there is no liver in the action of filtering those out. And so you will get cellular damage throughout the human body from something like a cosmetic, when in fact some of those compounds that are also found in food systems and colorings and things like that, preservatives, emulsifiers, end up in your food they have a much less damage to the, to the gut path than they will through that skin path. One of the most misperceived relationships that we have to our environment is that of our relationship to the sun. When we think about skin health, most people immediately recoil in terror to the idea of sun exposure. It accelerates aging and drying of the skin and causes wrinkles There's all kinds of theories out there as to why sun is damaging. And there's certainly no doubt that a severe sunburn can be, you know, an incredible injury to the skin and leave behind a trace record of that injury deep in the dermis that can later in life cause problems, sunspots, cancers, etc. But this idea that daily exposure to sun as you walk across into your car or whatever is dangerous and therefore every day you need to put on sunscreen before you put on your makeup is a ludicrous concept. Biology on the planet, had to develop in the context of this solar radiation of the sun. If it didn't tolerate the sun, we would not be here. And so every cell, whether it be a microbe within the soil, to you know a, a tree growing in the in the backyard, to your child growing within your womb, to the elderly adult walking out in the park, we were designed to be in the sun where we find that predominance or, or propensity towards, a injury from the sun, is when we live a lifestyle that's not connected to the sun, and then we decide we're going to take a one-week vacation and go to Hawaii, and we haven't seen the sun in two and a half years, and we go out there with no clothes on, and we get burned like a roast. And so that that phenomenon is not a problem with the sun. It's a problem with your lifestyle that doesn't have you connected to the nutrient of the sun in the first place. I did just describe the sun as a nutrient, and I think it's critical for you to re- focus your mind into this phenomenon. Just as, as the gut is a, a, an absorptive membrane to bring nutrition into the body, the skin also is a nutrient producer and a nutrient absorber for the body's vital function. One of the most obvious elements of this is vitamin D. Vitamin D is not actually a vitamin, totally miscategorized by the, the PR campaign that was put on by that that department some decades past. Vitamin D is actually a potent steroid hormone, and vitamin D is a hormone produced by the skin cells when exposed to sunshine. And so, as the sun hits it, the proopiomelanocortin, which is this huge molecule, starts to break it in, down into many different compounds. And so, that proopiomelanocortin is making steroids that include, you know, things like downstream uh, ones that will produce cortisol and the like. But upstream, you're seeing the simultaneous production of vitamin D from cells. So melanocortin produces melatonin for skin tan, but also sets up for adrenal health and things like that, critical nutrients for for the, the function of the adrenal glands, all the way to this phenomenon of the vitamin D itself being manufactured. We have nutrients resulting from our exposure to sun, just as we have nutrients resulting from our exposure to the dinner plate. And so we want you to be back out in the sun again and consistency is the key to health. But it turns out in our basic science lab, as we've been developing this ion skin product and studying the impact of microbial communication networks and our response to sun, we've discovered just like the vulnerability of the gut due to loss of bacteria, we develop a vulnerability to the sun with loss of bacteria. And so with the, alcohol and the soaps and the moisturizers with their compounds and the lotions and the sunscreens with their obnoxious compounds and then the cosmetics, we destroy the microbiome and in so doing we make ourselves very vulnerable to sun injury. When we reapply the communication network of bacteria, fungi and the like through ion, we can put it under UVB3 level radiation or even UVB6 radiation, which is kind of that severe sunburn state and demonstrate that the cells don't have to react with stress. That would then lead to the oxidative injury of a burn. And then that seems to happen through this extraordinary communication of skin microbes to mitochondria inside the cells. The mitochondria inside the skin cell once supported by the microbial communication network does not spike the reactive oxygen species, the signal for inflammation as it does when it's devoid of that communication. So as we put this together, we could see that a lifestyle outdoors, bathing in mineral baths or or mineral-rich rivers or the ocean, rather than chlorinated water systems and soaps, we would find the opportunity to reestablish the microbiome that would put us in a healthy relationship to the sun that we developed in as a species. And so reconnecting to nature at each level is going to radically change your fear paradigm to the very things that create the nutrients that make life possible. We need to lose our f- fear of sun and start to understand our healthy relationship through the microbiome and its communication network back to that, that glorious source of life on the planet, which is, of course, that father-son. And so we've got to re-engage, get nature involved, and start to nutrify rather than block nature's effects on our skin. So stop the soaps. Eliminate sunscreens as much as possible. If you haven't been out in the sun, you're worried you're gonna be getting at getting that sunburn, apply the ion skin and then get the, the skin covered at a reasonable time. It only takes 15 to 20 minutes of, of sun exposure over the course of a day to give you far more vitamin D than you would ever need at the biologic level. So it takes very little sun exposure through skin that's healthy, hasn't been dehydrated and desiccated by soap, hasn't been layered up with sunscreens and all this, let that sun breathe breathe through your skin and affect the nutrient reservoir that would make you resilient and strong at the immune system, which is the primary effect of vitamin D on a lot of levels. And so immune strength, ultimately bone health and reduction of cardiovascular disease because calcium transits better to bone when vitamin D is present and the like. So we've got lots of opportunities for us to, really re without fear the nature that allows us to function. I hope at this point I've been able to convince you that the skin is similar to a second gut. That second gut is there as a barrier against the outside world, a barrier against dehydration and an absorptive membrane to bring nutrients into the body. Now though, we need to turn our attention to the way in which the gut and its ecosystems talks directly to the skin and vice versa. And this you've witnessed, certainly. If you've gone through puberty, you've seen the effects of the gut-skin axis. Puberty is this extraordinary shift in the hormonal balance of the body. It's very easy to get an excessive imbalance between things like testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, and the like, During these big explosive endocrine changes of the 10 to 12 years old, and now it's getting younger and younger, as we get dysfunction in the brain and we start to stress the organism, our children start to try to express sexual function at an earlier and earlier age, realizing that if they don't get to to fertility quickly, they'll probably be infertile and therefore the species will go extinct. We have this amazing propensity to create sexual expression at much younger ages now as we put these organisms under stress. These organisms primarily being our children and so to resolve this stress level and start to express healthy bodies we're going to have to understand the communication network between skin and gut for most kids the introduction to cosmetics and dermatologic skin products that are, end up being detrimental to their health is around the issue of acne acne is an expression of sebaceous or oily compounds as well as toxins that are exuded from the skin this is obviously demonstrating a buildup of these compounds in the bloodstream itself. And so if you see acne occurring, it's because you've done something in the nutritional environment that has necessitated the ejection of that material from the body through your sweat glands and through the pores of your skin rather than through the urine breath and other pathways. So there's going to be specific toxins under specific states of stress, that are going to be better expressed out of the body through the skin than through these other secretions. In this way, when you see acne, you know there's an opportunity to change the environment and nutrition is obviously the most powerful. I'm not going to redo the discussion here around Ayurvedic diets and high fiber and all that, but dive back into that material and and your previous gut health ones to realize that acne is going to be treated and eliminated, in fact, prevented, If you do the nutritional approach to balancing the microbiome, supporting its diversity at the food level before you ever find the need for your retinoids and the other toxins that are being put on the acne all the way to the makeups and everything else that would cover those blemishes up. And so if you see blemishes, we can bet there's going to be a gut issue at the foundation. The deep cystic acne is a real demonstration of this gut skin connection. So deep cystic acne common in our later teen years, but also can occur in adults at almost every age is a demonstration of, of inflammatory downstream consequences of hormonal shift. And that inflammation by and large is coming from the liver. And so when you see cystic acne, you can bet you've got some degree of liver inflammation typically due to fatty liver. Fatty liver can occur in, in people of all weights and sizes. Fatty liver does not mean that you're obese. Fatty liver means that the metabolic wellness of the liver and its impression of stress on the organism of your entire human body is going to determine whether it allows the calories and nutrients that it's taking in from the gut to be passage out to the mitochondria into your peripheral cells or sequestered and held onto in case things get worse. So, in the end, this is a scarcity mentality of the liver. If there's too much stress in the environment, we better hold on to resources in case it actually gets even worse. So, we need to give the liver a sense of abundance and reduce the amount of toxicity that we would present to that liver in our diet, in our bathing, in our cosmetics, and the rest. Reduce the chemical load and expect things to improve in regards to the hormonal underpinnings of cystic acne. These thought processes and these ideas that I'm throwing out around the skin, changes in bathing, changing changing our relationship to water itself, changing our relationship to the toxins in our water, cosmetics and beyond, is not common obviously in the American or Western public. And so what are the results that we tend to see when we disregard the microbiome of the skin at the population level? Interestingly, we see an acceleration of the gut skin relationship here in regards to these sterile tactics of the chemical environment we're in the antimicrobial pressures across our food and water systems compound to to undermine our sense of self-identity and what i mean by that is again breaking those tight junctions so as we get leaky gut we can also get leaky skin and the combination of leaky gut and leaky skin Is the the most common underpinnings of these conditions that have gone absolutely bonkers in the population now which are eczema and psoriasis these two compounds are highly indicative of a small bowel injury that's leading to high permeability or leak in that first section of the small intestine with that high degree of leak there at the intestine we end up with lots of junk and inflammatory milieu in the liver and the bloodstream beyond and ultimately expressing itself at the skin level as nutrient deficiency and excess inflammation. And so eczema is this chronic severe scaling dehydrated skin that gets set up by the noxious injuries to the microbiome through our bathing, through our food, etc. With enough of that leaky gut, leaky skin phenomenon, our immune system can get so overwhelmed that it starts to actually detect our own tissue as the enemy. And this is what we see with something like psoriasis. Psoriasis is basically an autoimmune, posseimmune, which means immune oriented condition that is caused by this complete disorientation of the human immunity where it starts to attack self rather than outside organisms. So whether it be the breakdown of nutrients and hydration of the eczema and dry flaking skin, all the way to this autoimmune phenomenon of psoriasis, we, we are seeing globally now the phenomenon of breakdown of our connection to nature. So as you start to see these conditions emerge, it's an opportunity as an early red flag, decades before you'll see you know, more th- life-threatening autoimmune conditions, type one diabetes, thyroid disease and the like, and more threatening conditions uh, such as cancer, you're, you have the opportunity to, to shortcut those long-term outcomes By starting to learn a mechanism by supporting the gut and the skin through your fostering and your co-creation of a biodiverse ecosystem on you and within you. The last frontier of the skin-gut connection that I want to bring your attention to today has to do with the reminder that your skin is an extraordinary sensory organ. Your skin is imbued with a massive amount of neurologic input, so similar to what you would see in the gut lining as we've described it. And this neurologic network there is to feel the nature around you, to make the observations that will teach your body how to respond and integrate into nature such that there is an abundance rather than a scarcity of opportunity for vitality. And one of the most obvious ways in which we lose this sensory contact with our nature is through our shoes. Shoes had long been basically there for general protection but not isolation from the earth the shoes that date back for thousands of years in human history in the apparel industry and the like were leather-based or cloth-based compounds in the 1960s with the advent of cheap rubber and cheap plastics we eliminated leather soles altogether and for this last 50 years have created a lifestyle that insulates us as plastic and these other oil-based compounds will do from the earth itself. We are no longer feeling the earth between our toes. We are forgetting what it feels like to walk on the earth. And I see this all the time in new gardeners. When you start to first get contact with the soil and you're starting to reintroduce yourself to nature, there's this high propensity and this kind of subconscious fear of that, that element. And so we put on rubber shoes and we put on rubber gloves and we go out there as if it's a hazmat type environment. The skin is built to be in touch with the nature around you, not just to sense its beauty, but also share in the beauty because ultimately the microbiome of the soil systems and the plants and animals around you carry an avenue for microbiome diversification to occur. One of the most potent things that we see in regards to microbiome diversity of the skin is your exposure to other species, i.e. animals and pets. And so one of the really cool ways to change the chronic skin conditions in the home is to get the children outside, get them breathing real air, touching plants, get them petting animals, get them horseback riding, get them petting the, the, the goat in the field, getting them wrestling around with the dog in the backyard. All of this physical contact, the intimacy with nature, be it the plants or your pets or the the backyard garden itself, is your reintroduction to biodiversity. The one level deeper that we can go for the magic of barefoot is the magic of electricity in the earth itself. If I was going to boil health down to one factor. It is how much electrons are available to your body. Health is a negative charge, the electrical charge of electrons, and disease is an overabundance of positive charge, a loss of the electrons. And it turns out that Earth, as a nature, has been charged with a blanket of electrons since its origin. And that electron foundation of life hovers just microns above the soil and plant life of the, of the earth itself. That electrical blanket is charged and replaced every day by the phenomenon of lightning. There's over a hundred thousand lightning strikes a day on the surface of the planet. And lightning is a discharge of potential energy or electricity from the stratosphere, the atmosphere and the, and the clouds that that electricity would culminate in due to its water content and the earth itself. And so, uh, lightning is a transfer of electrical potential and energy from the stratosphere to the surface of the planet at a tune of 100,000 strikes a day to keep this planet charged. Interestingly, to me, that stratosphere is being charged by the galaxies, stars, and the universe itself. You've perhaps seen in person, I hope, but also just photographs of the Aurora Borealis or the Northern Lights that aurora borealis is an enormous stream of electrons coming in f- through our atmospheres from deep space, solar flares, supernovas of stars, the sun itself, bringing this radiation potential of electrical energy to the surface of our earth. It travels from this, the, the deep space to the stratosphere, into the clouds, into the lightning, into the surface of the earth, into our feet. This extraordinary exchange of electrical energy ends there at the soil if you're wearing a rubber-soled shoe. And so taking off the insulation between you and Mother Earth going barefoot for at least a few minutes a day on either soil, brick, concrete even works really well, silica-based, asphalt doesn't work at all, it's oil-based, it's an insulator. But most of those surfaces that you'll find in your backyard or around the neighborhood are going to allow for high degrees of electrical transfer from that deep space source into your body. And you're going to avoid absorb that electrical energy, which is then going to serve as a potent anti-inflammatory. It also serves to connect you to the biorhythms of the earth itself. A really potent way to help sustain wellness when you're traveling a lot, which, my lifestyle tends to do is to take off your shoes shortly after landing in a new time zone. Because while my body doesn't have the light sensors having been exposed yet to yesterday's dawn at that time zone, the earth has, and it has hit its biorhythms to to dawn in that location and can transfer that information into you through this exchange that happens at this electrical level of barefoot contact with the earth. And so it's a, a beautiful possibility that your health is just a footstep away, less pain in the joints, less inflammation in the brain by just touching mother earth. So in the end, as we start to understand the skin as not just a barrier, but an absorptive membrane and not just an absorptive membrane, but a surface for a diverse microbiome and not just a human microbiome, but actually a shared microbiome with the things that we touch, the animals we keep the humans we hug, that community reinforces biodiversity at every level of the skin to increase your communication network, to increase your neural wellness, your deep immunologic wellness. You have the opportunity to birth a new reality through your integration into nature, through a healthy gut, healthy skin, and the beautiful crosstalk between those two incredible organ systems. It's a joy to be with you through this incredible series that has inspired me at many times as much as I think it has you, I'm always in awe that for all the decades that I've studied this stuff, something new always comes through every time I sit down with you. And what that feels like is that there's a, a knowledge field out there in the universe that is waiting to express itself through humanity. And it is expressed in its highest form when community comes together. And so without an audience, none of the information I have transferred to you Would have been available. I learn every time I speak because the audience itself is part of that co-creative connection to this incredible knowledge field that sits in the ethers around us. And so thank you for being with me on this journey of the gut skin axis and the deep dive on the gut, the gut brain and beyond. It's been a joy to be with you and I'm looking forward to our next steps of an integrated humanity that has remembered its nature and comes to see ourselves as a beautiful element within her.
0: Thank you for listening to this excerpt from Dr. Zach Bush's commune course titled The Superpowers of Your Gut. To begin watching this course for free, Go to onecommune.com slash Zach Bush and sign up. And feel free to email me with any suggestions or questions and criticism of the constructive variety at jeffk at onecommune.com. Okay, that's all from the commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasnow, and I am here for you.